Arkansas Row Crops Radio, providing up-to-date information and timely recommendations on row crop production in Arkansas. Welcome to the Weeds or Wild podcast series as a part of the Arkansas Row Crops Radio. My name is Jason Norsworthy, and I hold the rank of Distinguished Professor of Weed Science with the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. And I'm excited today to be joined by Dr. Jeremy Ross, our soybean specialist. Jeremy, hey, thanks for being with us today. Hey, Jason. I appreciate the opportunity to, to get on the the podcast and talk a little bit about soybeans. Yeah, Jeremy. So today we want to talk about soybeans and we're going to talk some also about metribuse and that's going to kind of be the focus. But before we get started today, yeah, we're, we're, I'm going to say what, four or five weeks before we probably get serious, at least in the Southern portion of the state to start planting some soybeans. What, what are you hearing about soybean acres this year? Well, so yeah, you're right. I mean, we're a little, few weeks off to really getting started. Uh, just do want to make a note. I got a call couple of weeks ago, and I know there was 50 acres of beans planted on uh, February the 18th. So we've actually got some beans planted in the state, but, um, you know, that was down in uh, southeast Arkansas and haven't heard yet, you know, if they've got a decent stand, but we've had some pretty cold conditions, you know, since February the 18th. But, you know, today, Yesterday, it was almost 80. I think the rest of the week is supposed to be pretty warm, but I think another cool snap's coming, you know, in another seven days. But um, now's the time to be thinking about getting ready to start planting. You know, all of our data shows that, you know, especially in southeast Arkansas, if we can shoot for around April 1st on getting planted, that's where we can maximize yield. And then as you go further north in the state, you know, that gets pushed back to, you know, the middle April to 1st of, of May. So, uh, really been pushing planting dates and trying to get that information out. Acreage-wise, um, from the the meeting circuit for the last two months, I've talked to a number of growers. Um, you know, I think there's still some um, decisions to be made. Uh, I think we'll have a little bit more uh, acreage of soybeans this year uh, compared to the last couple of years. Uh, we were down below 3 million acres in 19 and 20. Uh, but finally broke over that 3 million mark again in 2021. So we're going to be over that 3 million mark again for 2022. Um, but, you know, how far over, you know, I don't know. We probably gained at least, you know, I'd say another 200,000 acres uh, from some of the other commodities just because of, you know, prices of soybeans right now and then some of the input costs. And, uh, you know, we all know that, you know, fertility's up, uh, you know, pesticide costs are up and then availability is going to be a big thing. So I think there's going to be a, a few more acres of soybeans this year, but really it all is going to be, you know, depending upon, you know, what the next few weeks does on the markets and then, you know, kind of what our weather is for the next two or three months. Jeremy, when we think about soybean and we think about weed control in soybean, Palmer amaranth by far is our number one weed that we deal with here in Arkansas. And I'd just say the Mid-South as a whole. And one thing that we've got to do if we're going to be effective in terms of managing Palmer amaranth is start with a a good, clean seed bed and lay down a very strong residual herbicide. And one thing that we have seen in our research for the last, I'm going to say probably the last five, six years, where we have these 
these biotypes or populations of Palmer amaranth that's resistant to multiple herbicides is that we really need metribuzin as part of our pre-emergence program. And what we have found is metribuzin alone is not necessarily the answer, but metribuzin in mixture with some other pre-emergence herbicides has been quite effective. And when I look at the options that we have in soybean today, there's a wide assortment of mixtures, commercial mixtures that are out there that can be can be bought. I just jotted down here a, a list yesterday, and some that come to mind are things like Canopy, which is a mixture of Classic and Metribuzin. You've got products like Boundary, Trivance. Uh, you have Moccasin MTZ, Tripson, Authority MTZ, uh, Kyber, which is a mixture of Valor, Zidua, and Metribuzin. You've got Intimidator. There's a wide assortment of products, again, that we can put out there. And what we have found is when we have two uh, herbicides, Metribuzin plus another herbicide on that ground, generally we're able to get 90% or better pigweed control for four or five weeks uh, into the growing season. But when we think about Metribuzin, it's a herbicide that's been around for some time. Uh, there also can be some problems with Metribuzin in the sense that we know that we also have varieties out there that are very sensitive uh, to Metribuzin, and you've got to choose a tolerant variety. And you know, we take part in uh, this this screening where every fall we screen for metribuzin tolerance in terms of the cultivars that were entered into the Arkansas OVT program. And last year we evaluated 152 cultivars and that information is now available online to the growers so that you can make a very informed decision as what's going to be tolerant to metribuzin when you choose one of these products. Jeremy, I know you spent some time over the last few months taking a look at the, the results from that that um, that document that's out there on the web now looking at much abuse and tolerance. And what are your thoughts? What are some of the conclusions that you've actually reached based on reviewing that document? Yeah, so just, uh, you know, as Jason mentioned, that, that, that data is available on our website. And you can find it in a couple of different forms. We've got actually a standalone Metribuzin document. Uh, and then that Metribuzin data is also available in the soybean update along with, you know, other agronomic characteristics. So just wanted to kind of make that known that we've got a couple of different avenues for, you know, finding out this information and making sure that producers are educated on these varieties. But I've spent quite a bit of time looking at, you know, the OVT data from last year. Um, as Jason mentioned, we, we evaluated about 152 individual varieties. And so after kind of looking at the, the ratings for this year, um, it really we're kind of surprised that, um, you know, the number of varieties that we, that we consider severe injury. And so in, in that situation, you know, we wouldn't recommend any form of metribuzin to be applied uh, on those varieties because they, you know, you'd see pretty much, you know, kill your stand. Especially under cold, wet conditions. That's right. And so, you know, I, I, when I presented the data at the variety or during the production meeting season, I kind of grouped, you know, varieties that kind of the top 10 varieties across multiple locations. And so, you know, it really surprised us that the, especially once we got into our group five extend flex varieties, uh, the 
percentage of the top yielding varieties that that we consider severe injury to metribuzin. And so, you know, if you look at the data, a majority of the varieties are going to be, you know, considered either slight or moderate uh, uh, tolerance to metribuzin or injury. Uh, but we did have 25 varieties uh, out of the 152 that we uh, pretty much deemed severe injury. And so if you kind of look at the breakdown of those, um, you know, especially if you look at the Enlist, the, round, or the Roundup Ready Extend uh, varieties, and then now the Extend Flex varieties. Um, of the 25 varieties, about 20% or five varieties is in the list technology is is what we consider severe. Uh, seven extend, uh, extend varieties are about 28% of the, those severe varieties. And then the largest group, we had nine varieties um, out of the extend flex technology that we consider severe. And if you actually go and look at the data and kind of sort the data by the highest yielding varieties, especially in our group fives, Five out of the top 10 varieties, you know, in the group five extend flex test is what we consider severe. And so that kind of, you know, kind of threw up some red flags to me because, you know, a lot of producers will just kind of look at yields and, you know, and see how these varieties perform. Uh, sometimes they may not look at the metribuzin score. Hopefully they will to, to make sure that, you know, metribuzin can be used in their herbicide program. But I just wanted to kind of reiterate that this year we seems like we saw, you know, a higher percentage of the higher yielding varieties showing sensitivity to metribuzin in 2021. And just wanted to kind of make sure producers were aware of that. I'd hate for a, a producer to, to pick a high yielding variety and not look at the metribuzin ratings and then, you know, apply metribuzin and it has some cool conditions or, you know, soil texture or pH that, that just causes a little bit more injury in metribuzin and, and lose a stand because, you know, the way this year is, you know, it, we're going to have to do everything we can uh, to, to make sure we get a good stand and, and try not to use any extra inputs uh, during 2022 just because of the you know, the herbicide issues and, you know, fertility issues and some of these other issues. So just kind of want to kind of make everybody aware of that. But I've been, you know, every production meeting, I've, I've pointed that out and, and hopefully we can, we've got the word out and everybody be aware of that. In addition to us having this information on the website, uh, you know, if you go to your local uh, seed supplier. Uh, hopefully they will also have some testing. I know that Pioneer, I believe, does a good job of testing and putting metribuzin sensitivity on on some of their uh, their seed. And so um, there, there should be, when you purchase seed, you should be able to ask your seed supplier as to whether or not, whether or not uh, that soybean uh, variety is actually tolerant to uh, metribuzin. Uh, something else that Jeremy touched on here just a second ago, he, he said pH and he also mentioned soil texture. Uh, soil texture is really going to dictate the rate of metribuzin that we use. And if we're going to use metribuzin in combination with another herbicide, it's all about getting the correct uh, rate out there. Some of these premixes are extremely low rates of metribuzin, and we don't see the benefit of metribuzin there uh, that we would get uh, versus 
a, a full rate of the herbicide. And when I say full rate of the herbicide, I'm talking a half a pound of active ingredient uh, on a silt loam soil, which would be equivalent to 10.67 uh, ounces of a dry material, that being like something like Tricor 75DF. If you're actually working with a liquid uh, Tricor 4F, that would be equivalent to a pint per acre. Uh, on a clay soil, uh, you're basically going to be able to double those rates. The other thing that we need to think about is uh, the, the pH. Again, on uh, soils that have a tendency to have a high pH, and when I say a pH, when we start getting over seven, the risk for metribuzin and injury is going to increase substantially. And if you start looking at the labels, the label is actually going to tell you if you have a seven and a half or higher pH, uh, don't apply a uh, metribuzin. Uh, organic matter also is going to have an impact. If we're less than five, uh, less than a half a percent organic matter, the risk of seeing damage associated with metribuzin is likewise going to increase. But, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about some of the risks. We've talked about Again, the concerns Jeremy has maybe as it relates to some of these higher yielding uh, varieties, but I don't want to uh, leave the audience here today thinking that, again, metribuzin is not a herbicide that we need to be using because all of the work that we've done myself, uh, Dr. Tom Barber, uh, we've been on a lot of PPO resistant, ALS glyphosate resistant, you name it, a wide assortment of resistances uh, within Palmer Amaranth. And what we see year after year is We've got to have that full rate of metribuzin in combination with another herbicide. And nothing else that we've looked at in our program has stacked up uh, and provided comparable levels of control. If you have a PPO-resistant pigweed, these other products just really are not going to provide you the level of control that you're going to expect uh, on these resistant populations. So, again, I'm a big fan of, of metribuzin. It's got a fit in Arkansas. Actually, we widely use it across the state as well as the Mid-South, and, and hopefully our growers can find a variety that works with them in conjunction with uh, metribuzin. So with that, uh, Jeremy, is there anything else you'd like to add as it relates to metribuzin or soybean? No, I mean, I've pretty much followed either Tom or Tommy on the, the meeting circuit this year. And, you know, herbicides are going to be an issue this year, again, because of supply and demand. And, you know, listening to Tommy talk and to Tom, you know, we're going to need to rely on these pre-emerge herbicides and start clean, stay clean early in the season because, you know, some of the post applications are, are going to be kind of hard to get. And so, you know, definitely we need to be using multiple modes of action and Metribuzin needs to be one of those uh, products that we need to be doing. But again, just, you know, look at the list and make sure that the varieties you are planting are, are tolerant to Metribuzin because I'd hate for anything bad to happen and, and you lose a stand just because, uh, you know, farmers not educated enough. So, well, Jeremy, hey, I appreciate you being with us today. Uh, next week, I think Dr. Barber will be the one that will be uh, delivering the podcast. And I want to say thanks uh, to you uh, for joining us, the audience, uh, for this episode of the Weeds Are Wild podcast series on the Arkansas Row Crops Radio. Arkansas Row Crops Radio is a production of the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. For more information, please contact your local county extension agent or visit uaex.uada.edu.